everybody. Good to be here. Man, what a great group of people. And good things happening. Yeah, I want to reiterate, um, come to Experiencing Christian Community today if you haven't. It's a great class, great launch, and place to, to go deeper in following God in community. And I also want to say thank you to all the people that helped out with our work day yesterday at the ministry house. We had a really good crew show up, and we got a ton done. Um, and my back is sore. So good. it is a good day. You have to check it out. We've got some new mulch, um, things just cleaned up and freshened up and stuff. Actually, if you come to ECC, come to Experiencing Christian Community, you can see it firsthand today. So we are uh, doing our second week in a row with a story from the book of Judges. And I told you last week, I think I mentioned this, that Judges is probably the book in the Bible that is the highest per, like highest density of weird stories in the Bible. There are a lot of weird stories in the Bible, and this is, this is one of them, actually. But it's, uh, the title of this message is, When It Doesn't Work Out. And really, we're looking at a very important topic this morning of scenarios in our life when we do what we think we're supposed to be doing, and it doesn't seem to lead to the result we were hoping for, or even a good result. And... If, you've, if you're a new Christian, you maybe haven't experienced this yet because it seems like the way God works a lot of times is when you're, when you're a baby Christian, it's, it's like a baby. What you need to learn is I'm hungry, I cry, I get fed. I need something, mom and dad take care of it. And when we're a new Christian, that's the most important thing we need to learn is God is our provider. He loves us. He cares for us. He cares about our needs. And it's kind of like, man, you, you pray for a parking spot, you get it. You pray for an A, you get it. It's just like, wow, this is great. God's taking care of me, and that's really good. But the longer you walk in this life, that, that never changes. God is, you have to have a foundation of knowing that God is your provider. God loves you. God meets our needs. But it's like a 20-year-old. You know, when, you, when you're hungry, it's, the answer is not the same as when you're a one-week-old. If you're a 20-year-old, the answer is maybe like, oh, maybe I need to get a job. That's maybe how I deal with this hunger issue. And so there are different, deeper lessons, and God leads us into that as well. And so we're going to look at some of this. Um, I was talking to a, a good friend of mine uh, several weeks ago and talking through some of the challenges that our family has walked through. And he said, yeah, I think this is one of the hardest things, is that when you're doing what you think you should be doing and you're, you're contending for God's goodness to come into the world, and it doesn't work out. And he actually had a scenario where he had heard, and he heard God's voice very distinctly. And he said, I, I, I'm sure this was God because I've heard him other times. And I followed him, and it, it always, like, things worked out. Like, there were, it was backed up. This was God leading me. I heard God speak to me. It had to do with my business. And I made some business decisions. And the results of that were that my partner turned on me. I lost my business. I lost my house. I don't have a job right now, and he was doing really well, living in a great neighborhood in St. Louis, and he's in this place of, I don't know what, why that happened, but I'm sure I heard God, and this is not the prosperity gospel. This is not like everything good happened to me as a result of this, and we're going to, that, and you know, I, he's still in the middle of that situation. He's now, he just, since I talked to him in that conversation, he found a job in, in Dallas, he's moving to Texas, and I think God's doing some things, but it's hard when 
it doesn't work out the way you want it to. And you may be in here in a place of like, you know, there are things I, I thought God wanted to do. I, maybe I'm trusting him for a, a success in this area or for a spouse or for healing or for whatever it is, and things aren't working out in the way I wanted to see it. There are reasons for that, and there are, there are things God wants us to understand and take us deeper in that place. Um, so if you've had that experience, then this is for you. If you haven't had that, that experience, this is for you too, because you will if you stay in this long enough. Um, you know, so we're going to look in Judges, and Judges is the story of the early years of the nation of Israel coming into the promised land that God had for them. And God had promised to give them this land, but it was full of other nations, it was full of evil nations, it was full of giants, it was full of people that worshipped other gods, and they saw some really good victories early on, but it was, they didn't see that fulfillment of taking all the land quickly. And it's really a, uh, a picture for us of God's purpose for us as believers is, is that he, it's always his will. As we're taught in the Lord's Prayer, he says, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's always God's will for the way things are in heaven to come to earth. It's his will. Wherever we see things that are in the world that are not the way it is in heaven, it's his will to change it. Wherever there's injustice, it's God's will to change it. Wherever there's racism, it's God's will to change it. Wherever there's sickness, it's God's will to bring healing. It's God's will to bring his kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. But we don't always see that. We, sometimes we see that happen dramatically, and we love those moments. But then it doesn't always happen overnight. And that's the story. The book of Judges is, 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 is part of carrying out this scenario. And so the context, we're looking at Judges chapter 20. There was this just, it was a wild and woolly time in the book of Judges. People, they, 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 this refrain is constantly said over and over again that there was no king in that time, and people did what was right in their own eyes. And so we see some good things happening, but we see people doing crazy stuff and sinful things. And in Judges 20, it's, it tells this just weird, dark story. And just to sum it up, this guy was, was traveling, and... He went in this area in the, the land of the tribe of Benjamin, one of the tr- 12 tribes of, of Israel. And the people there were so given over to sexual depravity and lust that they were wanting to sleep with this guy. And that, instead of that happening, they took the woman he was traveling with, and out of their just perversion and unrestrained lust, they abused her, they gang raped her and killed her and so this horrible dark sinful injustice happened and not only that but then they were unrepentant about it and when the message went out through the rest of the nation people were riled up and saying, that is wrong we need to deal with this sin this injustice this this evil that's taken place but the people of the tribe of benjamin refused to turn over the perpetrators. They were unrepentant, and they refused to hand them over. And so the rest of the nations came together, and they said, we can't let this happen. We must purge evil from the land. We're called to bring righteousness into this land, so we've got to purge this out. And so they they went to war against the one tribe of Israel, the the Benjamites, 
who were unrepentant. So I told you this is a weird story, right? That's weird, right? But this is, this is the whole setup. So um, they're going to battle. But think about it in this, this grand meta narrative of God of bringing his kingdom to the world, bringing his shalom, bringing righteousness, peace, and joy into the world in every place where it's, where it's not. And so these, the, the nation of Israel, except for the one tribe, they were trying to do the right thing. They're going to deal with this. So we, pick up the st- we start the story here. We'll pick it up in verse 18. The people of Israel arose and went up to Bethel and inquired of God, Who shall go up first for us to fight against the people of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up first. So they're seeking God. They're praying. God answers them. He gives them direction. He says the tribe of Judah should go up first. It's interesting. Judah means praise. And that was actually God's instructions for warfare were that whenever you go into battle, you should always send the praise and worship team first. It's kind of crazy. But they would have people singing praises to God first as they went into battle. And really, this is a picture for us in our battle. It always starts with a place of, of praise. Or as we look to God, even that last song we, we sang, hallelujah, means praise the Lord. When we don't know what to do, God, we lift you up. We praise you over everything. And that's the place to start. So God gave that direction. They're doing it. Then the people of Israel rose early in the morning and encamped against Gibeah. And the men of Israel went out to fight against Benjamin. And the men of Israel drew up the battle line against them at Gibeah. The people of Benjamin came out of Gibeah and got beat. No. The people of Benjamin destroyed on that day 22,000 men of the Israelites. Wait, this isn't working out. This isn't the way it's supposed to happen. They prayed. They're going to battle. And the bad guys are winning. But the people, the men of Israel, took courage and again formed the battle line in the same place where they had formed it on the first day. And the people of Israel went up and they wept before the Lord until the evening. Evening. This was a dark, this is, they were they were getting they were getting beat bad by by the Benjamites. Twenty two thousand people died. They cry out to God, God, what's going on? Shall we again draw near to fight against our brothers, the people of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Go up against them. So the people of Israel came near against the people of Benjamin in the second day. And Benjamin went against, went against them out of Gibeah the second day and destroyed 18,000 men of the people of Israel. All these were men who drew the sword. So not just horrible defeats and losses on the first day. And they pray and go to God and say, God, are you sure? Is this your will? We're, we're following you. What? Do it again. They go to battle again, and then all the same thing happens again. 18,000 people die. So now 40,000 men have died in battle in two days against the enemy. Then all the people of Israel, the whole army, went up and came to Bethel and wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, saying, shall we go out once more to battle against our brothers, the people of Benjamin, or shall we cease? 
And the Lord said, Go up, for tomorrow I will give them into your hand. Let's, the story goes on. We're going to stop there. But on the third day, they went into battle, and the Israelites won. And the rest of the chapter is the story of this victory that God brought. But it's interesting. Like, why did that take three days? Why did they have to lose 40,000 soldiers who left wives and family members and children and <laughs> tragedy and huge loss? Why did that have to happen? And before I go on, I've, I've got to, I was going to mention this at the beginning, but I, this message pretty much, I rarely do this. I've done this a couple times in my life, but I heard this message after my conversation with my, my friend about his, his job loss and all that, and it spoke to it so perfectly. I, this is, I, a lot of this message comes from a message that Pastor Bill Johnson preached a few years ago to, um, to his church, Bethel Church in California. And so... Um, it's, it's really answering this question. I thought, man, this is so relevant. It really helped me, and I thought it was something for all of us. Um, but Bill Johnson, he says this, he, this. The point of this story is that we usually count victory by the way we confront and change circumstances that we're facing. We count victory by circumstances changing. That's when a victory is. But God counts victory when you pray again after loss. Now that's deep. We think, okay, this is the victory. Things changed. That's what we're going for. But a deeper victory is when you experience loss, do you keep praying? Or do you give up? In this story, there was defeat. But to their credit, the Israelites had no accusation against God. They, weren't, they didn't blame God. They didn't get bitter. They didn't refuse to pray. Even though it could mean outward losses, and even though it already had meant outward losses, they really modeled this so powerfully that they just kept coming back to God. God, they wept. They were honest. They poured out their hearts to him. But they came to him. And not, they didn't turn away from him. And that is real victory. When in the dark places of life, in the unknowns, in the unanswered places, we don't know why that's happening. But will we keep turning to God in that place? That's the real victory. And ultimately, that will lead to circumstances changing. Ultimately, that will be a part of God bringing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven if we just hang in there. If we just keep turning to him and praying in that place. Um, that's good. That's, that's the main point today. Um, that's what victory is. Do we, will we keep turning to God in those places? Um, I do want to break it down a little bit more, though. Because I think understanding the ways of God, understanding how he's working in our lives and in the world, really helps us to, to have that response in those places. And so... I want to look at, and this is, this is deep stuff. There's a lot of mystery here. I'm not claiming to cover it all in any way. But I want to look at what are some of the reasons why it doesn't always work out? What are some of the reasons why when we're turning to God and praying and doing the right things that it doesn't work out the way we want it to? I want to give three reasons for that. 
Reason number one, you've got enemies. You've got enemies. Israel, they want to do the right thing, but there was a tough tribe of fighting men that they were standing against. And they had to deal with, with, with that army. The details in that story, they, they actually talk about these 700 select warriors who, and they were all left-handed. I, this is kind of wild, kind of like Michael. and any, I don't know if there are any other left-handed people here. But these were left-handed dudes who could sling a slingshot and hit a hair. And this was like the Green Beret of the army right here. They were very, they had very tough opposition. And we got to realize that seeing God's kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven, there is an enemy. There is a devil. There are spiritual forces of darkness that don't want to see that happen. And they have been defeated. They've been dealt a mortal wound, but they're still not done yet. They're just kind of, and they're mad about their situation. They've been dealt a mortal wound by what Jesus did through his cross and through his resurrection, and they will be totally annihilated. But in the meantime, there's a lot of damage that they're still doing, and we have very real opponents that we are against. When we were cleaning the, when we were doing our work day at the ministry house yesterday, um, Bo and Landon and Matt were digging holes to repair a fence, so I had to dig, um, dig fence holes. And this is a, we had had a fence there before, and a tree knocked it over, and so there, was, there were old posts in the ground, like basically in these very spots. And there were, tons of, there were tons of trees and bushes all around there. So there's tons of roots in that area. And so we needed to go like, you know, three, four feet deep here. And there's a, there's a mission, but it's not easy. And it took, a, you know, a good, I don't know, hour and a half of like just digging, digging, digging and hitting root, hitting root, hitting old piece of wood, and it's like, man, why aren't we seeing victory? Well, actually, you are, but there's opposition. There's something in the way of that, but they stuck with it, kept going, and at the end of that hour and a half, there was a hole dug, and that's the way it is with us. There there are enemies. We got to realize that's the way it is, and to see evil pushed back, there's always opposition. You see that throughout history. I mean, for America to to end the evil of slavery. That took like six to 800,000 soldiers giving their lives, dying in, this, in the American Civil War. That was just the price. That There was no other way for that great evil to be pushed back, probably. Well, maybe there was, but that was, that was what it took. There, there, was, there was opposition and great sacrifice that had to be made. There's a story in... In, in the book of Daniel, where Daniel starts praying. He feels prompted on his heart to pray for God to do powerful things. And he fasts. And 21 days later, that's a long time to fast. 21 days later, he has this encounter with the archangel Michael shows up in his room and brings this great message, this prophetic message that's in our Bible now that's speaking to God's purposes throughout history and the end times. This part of, like, God, powerful thing that's uh, helping accomplish God's purpose in the world. But what did Michael tell him? He said, hey, the day you started praying, I started coming to bring you this answer, bring you this message. But this prince of Persia, speaking of the spiritual entity, the God over this region, resisted me, 
And there was spiritual warfare going on for 21 days. And as you were praying, that was helping me win that battle in the spiritual places. And eventually, I got here. Wow, that's pretty intense. But there's stuff God's doing, but it's in the world we can't see. There are enemies. There are false gods. There are demons that are resisting that. But our continuing to lean into prayer, continuing to lean into God, brings that victory about. So why, don't, why doesn't it work out? Well, a lot of times it's just because we got enemies. Um, there's a lot in here about that. Uh, second reason, your character matters more than your circumstances. We want our circumstances to change, right? And we want them to change bad. <laughs> like, when we don't like the way things are going. God, will you change this? But God, he does want to change a lot of those circumstances. But it's more important to him that he changes us than that he gets us out of the difficult places that we're in. And he works through those tough places to give us an opportunity to grow our character and for him to be formed in us and his character and likeness to be formed in us. In, um, in John 16, 12, or 16, yeah, 16, 12, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, I've got, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them at the present time. It's interesting. Basically, he's saying, hey, I want to show you more. I want to speak to you more. I want to do more miracles, but actually, if I gave that to you right now, that would be too much for you to handle. You don't have the ability to handle what I, if I did that. And I don't, know, you've, I don't know if you've seen this. I've seen this a lot, where people have more success than their character can bear. It's, see this, you know, it's NBA. I mean, classic example. You've got, like, 22-year-olds all at once making $10 million a year. And oftentimes that doesn't turn out well because they don't have the character to handle the success. God wants to give us the success, although his definition of success may not be our definition of success. But he, he does want, he wants us to be part of his success. But it's more important that he works his character in us. I, I think back, I... I had a realization of this as a as a young man and I remember one of the prayers I prayed that I remember the most is that I was like God I will you please like not give me more success than my ability to handle it and sometimes I regretted that prayer (laughs) I'm like God (laughs) maybe you know a little more success in the things I was wanting to see like you know is that why that's you know I don't know but no I'm glad like that's it's that's really his heart is that we would be able to, to bear whatever success or whatever, um, whatever, yeah, whatever good results that he brings our way. Um, you know, I've, I find that so often, you know, in the last, last couple of years is my wife was, was battling cancer and my daughters have been battling intense health things. Uh, so often, you know, as I've been praying, God, will you just bring healing? Will you bring healing? Will you change this? So often it's when I get to the place of, okay, God, will you do what you want to do in their lives? And I came to that place again this week is Anna and Amzi were dealing with tough health stuff. It's like, okay, God, yeah, I want to see this change. But, okay, I think actually, Lord, there's something more important here. Will you be glorified in their lives? 
Will you let them know you in their life? Will you help them to encounter you in whatever you want to do in their life, in this place? Will you accomplish that? And I can just tell. It's like God's going, okay, yeah, now you're on to something. Now you're, like, starting to track with where I'm at in this situation. Now you're, 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 you're praying the right thing. And I've you know, talked to them, and you can tell. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it's about here. Let's, let's lean into that. And God, God does good things in those places. And that's, that's who he wants us to be. That's what really matters. And that's actually what changes the world, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. Um, Bill Johnson says this. He says, when the Lord says no, it's only because a better yes It's only because a better yes is coming. It doesn't feel that way. When God says no, it's only because a better yes is on its way. Every delayed answer in prayer is only gaining interest. It's like, hey, the longer it takes, if you hang in there, you're just accumulating interest. All right? And it's, it's not like a bank account interest. It's like, Bitcoin interest, right? All right? It's like much better. And I'm not telling you to go buy Bitcoin, all right? But if you look at the last 10 years, I'm telling you, like, it's more like that. Okay? Like, that's what's happening and what's being added to your account when you hang in there. Like, that's what God is doing. Every delayed answer to prayer, when you you keep leaning into him, you keep trusting him, God's accumulating things. He's doing stuff. It's, It's so worth it. Reason number three, winning requires losing. Weird. I know, but it's the way of the kingdom. Oftentimes progress, if if God's work in our lives, God's work in the world involves suffering and loss. Things are turned upside down. Jesus said if you want to find your life, you got to lose it. If you want to live, you got to die. And he modeled that for us. He led the way for us in that. And really, we're coming up on Easter. We're coming up on Good Friday. We see, man, Jesus is our hero. Because he, unlike all the other gods, all the other heroes who were just seeking it for themselves, he laid down. God, who had every bliss, everything he needed, he willingly entered our human experience and died to bring life to the world. And he got life too. Resurrection came. Death, following Jesus, death always leads to resurrection. always leads to new life. The, 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 there may be, it may be immediate, there may be a delay. But it is always with the promise of new life. But winning requires losing. There's a, but when we lean into God in the place of, of suffering, of, of losing something, God brings winning through that. In Romans 8, 8, verses 18 and 19, the Apostle Paul writes, and he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. There's that interest. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. That's saying that when, we, when following God involves suffering and loss, 
that there is a glory, there is a weight of glory that will come to us. Some of it in this life and ultimately in the age to come beyond compare. We can't even, like, if when we look back at the suffering we go through, we're going to go, oh, man, that was nothing compared to the glory that you accomplished through that. And what's really amazing, this is so deep, but it says it's not only our life, but the creation itself is waiting with longing for the sons of God to be revealed. That means the sons and daughters of God, the people who are not just the, the, the weak old crying out to God for a meal, but the people who are adults, sons and daughters of God, whose glory has been formed into our character, who walk like he walked, who bear life the way he bears it, and who are, who are like him in the world. The whole world is waiting for that because that's the thing that brings freedom to the world. That actually in God's plan and the mystery of it all, the more people come into that place, the more God's kingdom comes into the world. The more righteousness and peace and justice comes as people come into that place. And so there's, lo- there's, there's suffering, there's loss, but it's to bring about the winning of God's freedom and God's purpose for the creation that comes through that. Uh, we see that all throughout history. I mean, there's a saying that the, the blood of martyrs is the seedbed of the church. That wherever the church has not been, wherever nations and cultures have been in darkness and oppression and false gods, oftentimes the, that won't change until people go and literally are killed for representing Jesus. But we see throughout history where that happens, that something changes in those regions. And the gospel explodes, and whole regions come to faith in Jesus. We wouldn't be here except for people that have literally died for their loyalty to Jesus. But that's brought something about in bringing the gospel to us and and expanding God's kingdom in the world. Um, Colossians 1.24, Paul writes again, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. And this is, I, I think this is one of the least studied verses in the Bible that really should be studied. It's, it's saying that just as, you know, we're not Jesus and it's, it's his death and his suffering that brings new life to the world. We, not, not ours. But somehow... As a corollary to that, he invites us to share in his suffering. And as we do that, it is for his purpose. It is for the church. It is for his will being done on the earth as it is in heaven. And if we can see the tough stuff that comes our way and things not being the way they should be as an opportunity to share his afflictions for the sake of the church, for the sake of his people, for the sake of others, then we can have the same attitude Paul had and say, I rejoice in that. I'm rejoicing in my afflictions because I'm getting to be part of what God is doing in redeeming the world. All right. There's a lot there. Lots to meditate on. I hope you're taking notes. Um, if not, maybe get some from your friend because, man, this, is, this will change your life. Get this. Um, how do we respond? You know, how do we respond when it works? I just want to end with this. One, one more verse. Hebrews 6.12 says this, So that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith 
and endurance inherit the promises. There are promises. God, God's bringing it. God's bringing good things into the world. And imitate the people who've lived this way. And what, what were their attributes that caused them to live this way? Faith and endurance. How do we respond? With faith towards God. Faith is that we have faith that our prayer is not in vain. That our faithfulness is not in vain. That our labor is not in vain. It takes, if we saw the results immediately, it wouldn't take faith. That wouldn't be faith. That would just be natural reason. But through faith and patience, you inherit the promises of God. Faith is saying, God, it's your word. It's your promise. You said you're, the nations, the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. You will reign over all the earth. And you call me part of that. Lord, I believe you. I'm not, I, it doesn't look like that right here. But Lord, I'm believing you in this place where I'm not seeing it yet. And through faith, we inherit that promise. And through endurance, because we don't see it right away. So we have to have endurance. We have to have we have to have the ability to hold on to that faith for a longer period of time. And when, it's, when it doesn't feel like it. This word endurance, the, the Greek word used here in the, in the New Testament, it literally, could be, it literally means long-passioned. Long-passioned. It's sometimes translated patience, like through faith and patience we inherit the, kingdom of, the promises of God. And that's true. But when we think of patience, like we tend to have this passive idea. It's just like, okay, I'm just like waiting it out. But this is a stronger thing. It's more active. It's like keeping your passion up, keeping your hope up, not just being a stoic. Like, well, this is the way the world is. It's broke. You know, that's the way, you know, if you live long enough, you'll, you'll realize things don't work out. You'll lose your optimism. You'll lose your being naive. You know, don't be like that. Just stop hoping. Don't, don't get your hopes up, but no, it's this endurance to say no. Like the people in Judges, they kept crying out to God, God, it shouldn't be this way. God, no, we're contending for more. We're contending to see victory. We're contending to, we're contending to see breakthrough. And through faith and endurance, we inherit the promises of God. And that's, those are the stories. You know, when you have them, you're like, man, praise God. Praise God. I hung through there, and man, I saw some of the promises of God come my way. And that's, man, that's just, there's something with those victories that the devil can't take that away. And the more you experience those, the more you're able to, to, to live with endurance moving forward. So I want to pray for us. Um, pray for us that we can live this way. And, um, yeah, let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your victory. Thank you for your word and the insight it gives us into what we're going through. Lord, I pray for, pray for each of us here today that the places where things aren't the way they should be, that you would give us your vision, you would give us your hope, you would give us your faith. Lord, and I just thank you for the ability, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, to have faith, to have endurance, and to see your kingdom come, to see your promises come in our lives and through our lives. Lord, just lead us on. I, I just thank you for just the, 
the sons and daughters of God in this room that the creation is eagerly longing for. God, God, we just, we look to be part of that. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. We got one more thing today. It's kind of exciting. We are going to have a baby dedication for Roaring Partridge and Maggie McDonald. And so they're, I think they're coming this way right now. Um, but the parents, go ahead and come on up. They're 